Hello and welcome to The Queers Are Watching. I'm Hannah. And I'm Sarah. And we want to wish you all happy holidays. And we're actually going to be talking about a a Christmas movie. Oh no, on the third day of Hanukkah? How rude. <laughs> yeah, I think today is technically the fourth day, but by the time y'all are listening to this, I'm sure Hanukkah will be over already. Sorry. So, no, no, no. It's, I mean, honestly, even as a Jewish-ish person, it confuses me a little bit, like what day it actually starts. Because it's like sundown the night before the first, I don't 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 ask me don't don't come for me other jewish people i don't know everything i just know latkes maybe uh, like one jewish listener or something and they're gonna be like you're wrong <laughs> and you know that's fine i don't purport to be the keeper of all jewish knowledge certainly not me couldn't be me but anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking about a Christmas movie called The Happiest Season. I'm assuming if you listen to this, you've probably seen it. Yeah, I think everybody on the internet's seen it. Even straight people? I'm shook. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. But I guess, like, there is an audience of, like, especially, like, women that used to hate Case 2 who, like, realized that it was mostly based in internalized misogyny that now are, like, really into Case 2 So maybe they're like, oh, I support her now. I will say that's one of the full draws of this movie, like, the cast. So let me just, like, I'll, I'll do the whole spiel that I do where I jump in and tell y'all about it. So Happiest Season is a 2020 film. It's PG-13, and it's streaming on Hulu only. So if you have Hulu, or if you have a friend who has Hulu, borrow some Hulu. It's written and directed by um, our lesbian overlord, Clea Duvall. <laughs> And it's starring uh, Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Dan Levy, Allison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, Mary Sternbergen, and Victor Garber. Um, so just like a bunch of super famous people. And there's some other people that you might recognize in there too. Um, so basically it's just a Christmas rom-com with a bit of a twist. Young couple Abby and Harper go to Harper's conservative town and past life to do the holidays with their family. One catch, Harper hasn't told her family that she's gay. Hijinks ensue. So... If you like rom-coms and you like Christmas, I will say that you will probably like this movie. Um, IMDb gives it only a 6.8. Rotten Tomatoes has it as an at an 83%. But the audience score is at 80%, so it's slightly lower. And then the Metacritic is at a 68%. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything better from for a rom-com. Oh, I like that's what I was expecting the Rotten Tomatoes things to both be lower, but... Oh, okay. I'm kind of surprised that it was that high, but okay. So I'm gonna warn you that Hannah hates rom coms. So uh, yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of rom coms. I'm not a huge fan of Christmas movies. Um, so this was not my ideal movie. We'll we'll say that going in. Like obviously, like I watched it so that we could talk about it on this podcast, but like. Outside of that, I probably only would have watched it for Kristen Stewart. So I am that person. I mean, I love Case Stew. Like, I'm in love with her. So I'll watch anything with her in it. Except for Twilight. Sorry. But you, you gotta watch Twilight just for, like, the cringe. I can't. I don't think I could watch past the second one. Like, where they get, like, the other scary vampires. And then, like, she has a baby. And she, like, names it Renesmee. Like, I don't think I could do that that's in the last one come on 
Mm, I mean, maybe one day I'll give it a try for you. Yeah, we should like do. Yeah, you got to do like a cringe watch with your oh friends. Oh my god, that's the way to do it. Because like, <laughs> you better post me on TikTok then, because it's gonna be it's awful. Like, it's gonna be comedy gold, is what it's gonna be. Um, like it's not supposed to... to be though. <laughs> that's okay. Oh god. Um. Anyway, Twilight digression aside. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know what is. I didn't take very many notes during this movie. Like, like Sarah said, it's a rom com. Like, it's very formulaic. Like, there's not like a whole lot of twists and turns happening or like intriguing cinematography or anything. It's kind <laughs> of just a movie. Um, like one thing that I did write was just go to therapy, which I feel like. <laughs> Yes, the whole fucking family. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't really remember which person that's directed to, but it could be directed at any of them, really. I'm going to say right up front, it has to be Harper that you were saying that about, but, like, literally everybody. The whole fucking family was terrible. And I think that, in many ways, made it hard to watch. Not just, like, (laughs) I don't know. Because I've seen many, many rom-coms where, like, for example, uh, Meet the Parents or the family stone where like the family is kind of shitty like they're annoying they're bad they're shitty to the new person involved and like some comedy things happen but I think in this case maybe because like it just hit a little too close to home like with being gay and being like ostracized for being gay that it was kind of a difficult watch to watch her be like tortured by this family see and for me it was less about the family and it was more about harper to me like it's not acceptable to treat someone like that like absolutely in a long-term relationship absolutely not yeah they never say how long they were together that i remember but yeah i 100 percent agree when she like right from the get-go when she invited her and then tried to take it back and try to like gaslight her to make her think like oh i kind of like put you on the spot and you don't have to go because i know you don't like to do christmas it's like well you already did that and then you're gonna drag her there and then when she's there you're gonna be like okay so also i'm not out you have to pretend to not be gay too like that was an extra level of wildness and whatever my family does to you it's fine because that's just the life i live like I get it. Like everyone comes out in their own time and that's their own business, but don't drag someone else into that. Your trauma. That's not right. A hundred percent agree. And I've like, I can't remember who exactly. Maybe it was like some rando on Tumblr or maybe it was someone I know. I couldn't tell you, but I have had a discussion in the past before where I have basically said like, you can't drag other people, especially someone that you're in a relationship with into your, your personal issues with coming out. Exactly. Especially if that like they didn't sign up for that. Like you can't be like, oh well, I'm gonna treat you like shit in front of everybody because it's convenient for me to stay closeted. Exactly. Like if she had told her like from the get-go, like, I need you to come for emotional support from my shitty family, I'm not out to them, that would be entirely up to Abby, Kristen Stewart's character, to determine if she wanted to go and deal with that shit or not. But she didn't warn her, she just ambushed her. Yeah, she was not given the full information that she needed to make that decision which seems very manipulative and kind of like borderline abusive to be like now that i have trapped you in this car yeah my girlfriend called it watching um like an hour and 20 minutes of trauma porn like she just did not enjoy it at all (laughs) yeah i can definitely see that i am very lucky in that i never had 
family issues like that. Um, but I can definitely see how if someone had issues around coming out to their family or if they had had a partner that had had those issues, like that would be definitely just watching re-traumatizing stuff for an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. And like my my extended family is great, but my parents are not, as I've said on this podcast before. And I will always warn my partners, like, if you want to come to my home, like I live with my parents, or if you want to meet my parents, like my parents are straight up homophobic assholes, like you're not going to have a good time. So that's up to <laughs> you. <laughs> um, there have been times in my relationship with my current girlfriend where we would like take a break from her coming over here at all because it's so stressful in the beginning of our relationship with my parents being kind of just generic jerks. Now they're like way better, but probably because they're used to her. So I understand like why anyone would not want to deal with that but I would never ever be a harper like I even coming from that kind of position I would never do that to somebody it's just too much yeah I definitely get saying like everyone comes from their own situation like it's hard for people in different ways and like I think the movie was trying to make some kind of point about like even as privileged as she was with like her family life it's like oh well this thing's still hard for her even though she grew up rich or whatever and it's like yeah but it does make me feel less bad for her because yeah that's true it's not <laughs> like she has to be there yeah she doesn't live with them like that is my other thing like they weren't even a close-knit family like you could tell she had never really comes home yeah that's the kind of thing where like I know that many people do not share this point of view but I personally am like no just cut them out if they're going to behave like that and like mm -hmm. if you can't do that then don't be in a relationship right now not in a serious one or like keep your relationship separate like at the very least and have a partner who is going to accept that and as queer people I think we know like there are going to be many instances where we might have to accept situations like that or we can just leave them and find situations we would be better off with. So I don't like, that brings me to like the end, like all of you know how rom-coms end. They always end up back together, even if there's like a little, you know, thing that happens to them. I don't think that they should have ended up together. My full takeaway is like when I watch a rom-com, especially a Christmas movie, I'm not looking for highbrow entertainment. I'm not looking for like a goddamn Oscar winner. Like I know that acting is going to be a little wooden and the dialogue's going to be a little stilted, but like, I just want to feel something. I want to shed a tear and I want to root for someone. And I think in a lot of ways, like this movie fulfilled that, like I did shed a tear during John's speech about coming out to Abby and I did root for Abby the whole time. But I didn't want her to end up with Harper. I thought her, like, happy ending would be, like, her going off to have someone who, like, appreciates her and doesn't emotionally abuse her. Um, but I guess they end up together because, I, I don't know. What if Harper's family had been like, no, you guys are disgusting. Get out of my house. Then would Harper have been like, oh, well, I guess we have to stay together because we're all each other had. Like, what would happen then? And that's, like, one of my chief complaints about this movie was, like, how unrealistic it felt that suddenly her whole family was fine with it because it did not seem especially with her dad like as a old white politician you're not going to suddenly be like oh like you're right like I always will love you no matter what it seemed 
very unrealistic to me. And I get it. It's a holiday rom-com. Like, they couldn't have the family be like, well, we hate you. Get out. But it's like, to me, like, that's, I don't know. It kind of made it seem like Harper had nothing to worry about the whole time. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, not true. I I don't know. Especially in a place like that. Like, come on. Like, in reality, if she had come out to people like that, it would have been the biggest mess of all time. And just the fact that, like, her dad then was like oh, I'm going to give up, like, my campaign for this? Yeah, no, he never would have no. done that. He would have sold them out. Yeah, 100%, especially because they they don't seem like a very close family. No, they seem like your stereotypical rich white family where they are, like, together for looks. They don't really give a shit about each other. They're shown to not give a shit about, um, what was the other sister, Jane, mm-hmm. that's there, that's writing the book. They are so shitty to her. Like, she's just their little like slave lackey who fixes their wi-fi and is there for comic relief and like she clearly has like immense trauma and they all just kind of like laugh at her for it i thought her character was like put in kind of a weird light in that sense because i get the joke like it's the joke about the middle child being ignored Mm -hmm. and i get it that's a thing people make jokes about it in media but then yeah like you said to like kind of completely gloss over it and act like oh it's just funny it's not funny yeah (laughs) like she also needs to go to therapy (laughs) like she was one of my favorite characters like I don't think I could be friends with someone like that in real life because she was too chaotic but (laughs) um but I liked her and I was very happy that her book got published in the end that that makes me happy and John, is it, like, I'm unclear on where John ends up with that. Did he just, like, become her best friend? Or did he, like, help co-author the book? Because he's, like, at book signings with her. That's a good question. I don't know. I'm unclear on that. But he seemed really supportive of her. And I think she really needed that in her life. Yeah. So she had a happy ending. Uh, fun fact, the actress who plays her, I've read in, like, several different things that she helped co-write that character and, like, some of the script with Cleo Duval, but she's not actually listed on the IMDb as a co-writer, so I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so should we address the great debate, as we're calling it, on the Twitterverse? Yes, I'm guessing the great debate <laughs> is if she should have ended up with Riley instead. Yes, that is the great debate. What is your take? Um, I see where people are coming from. But I didn't, like, feel any particular chemistry between them, attraction-wise. Like, I think they should have ended up being, like, friends. Um, Because it kind of seemed like in the end, Abby just left and then presumably, like, Riley's not around anymore. Because that would be awkward, I guess, because she's Harper's ex. But, I don't like, I didn't sense any, like, romantic or sexual tension between them. It seemed more of, like, a camaraderie of, like, we have both been with Harper. We both know how shitty she can be. <laughs> but I do agree with the people that are saying that Riley should have gotten more justice done to her in the storyline itself. Because mm-hmm. I feel like she didn't get any kind of like apology really from Harper. What Harper did to her was terrible. And like, yes, they were children. But I don't know. It's It's sad that like she was there basically to be support for Abby. And then after that, it's like, oh, she's gone. She's not in the storyline anymore. Yeah. And I will say that that is a little more like realistic. I don't think someone like Harper would ever apologize to her. 
Do I think she deserved an apology? For sure. But yeah, my take is the same. I don't think they should have ended up together. I think... So I get it. Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart are very hot and we all want to see them fuck. Like, I get it. <laughs> but just because two people are having a sort of camaraderie with each other and they are becoming friends and they have common interests and they like are kind of like a, a beacon of shining light in a dark place does not mean they're your new fuck buddy or they're your new wife. That's not how that works. And I think that a lot of us um, as queer people, as gay people, have learned that lesson in a very difficult way. Like the nearest person that is queer to you and then is hot, you're like, oh my god, I have to be with them. Like that's just what it is. And you get together and you're like, oh, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be at all. Um, and I think we all figured that out at some point. Like I get it, pickings are slim, but <laughs> just because they're hot and gay doesn't mean that you should date them. It's not how that works. Just let gay people have friends is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, I 100% agree with that. Because I know it's like a joke, especially like amongst queer women, that like, oh, everyone in your friend group has fucked each other or everyone in your friend group has dated or whatever. And I'm interested to know like how true that is across the board, because I feel like that's probably true in some groups, but not all groups. The fact that people see abby and riley hanging out together is like ooh, like they're gonna be a thing it's like no like they are hanging out <laughs> even like when they were at the drag show like that was like friendship energy to me and yeah. i was i was there for it but i don't see the need to push it further than that yeah and there's a part where they're at the drag show when um abby's gonna leave and they kind of like they're sitting next to each other and they make like strange eye contact and a lot of people are like oh my god that means that they were attracted to each other and something was gonna happen between them and i'm like no i think they were kind of sharing a moment of like i have to go back to this shitty position that i'm in because of harper and thanks for letting me have fun for one second <laughs> absolutely yeah like ugh, trust me i love reading into eye contact in media <laughs> that's my favorite um but yeah to me that eye contact was definitely like just kind of sharing an unspoken understanding of like how difficult the situation was and like like you said like recognizing like i can't i can't save you from this you have to go back to it and it was kind of like it's kind of like, I'm sorry, kind of mm -hmm. thing. And like, that can be very meaningful eye contact, but it doesn't have to be like sexual tension or anything. Yeah, it could be platonic, loving eye contact. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, the other thing is, as queer people, I think we give each other that eye contact in public sometimes. Because mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, there's, there's something about it, especially if you're in a town like that, where like, that's not really okay. Um... I think just that one or two second connection with someone else, like, I don't know. We're not exactly like the group that loves to follow social norms the most. So <laughs> I think let us make eye contact with each other. Queer the notion of eye contact. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I just, I can't, but, and don't get me wrong, like, this wasn't, like, the best movie of all time or something, like, I, I did like a lot of parts of it, it is, it has its funny parts, um, Dan Levy's performance, thank you for raising the brow, because, like, he, his humor and his dialogue were so very welcome, 
Um, he's mostly the saving grace of this movie. I will say that. So, And it's a rom-com. And I feel like all rom-coms are like this with like very few exceptions. Like all the characters are pretty flat. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. even his character was kind of like, I'm the, the woke gay that doesn't believe in marriage. <laughs> That's every time Abby would talk to him, he would just be like, oh, women aren't property. Marriage <laughs> is bad. I mean, I appreciate him for that. I do too, but like, I wish there was more to his character. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I wish that we had a little more background, I guess, on that. They didn't do a really good job of setting up anyone's character. It was just like, here they are, this archetype. So, I was hoping they would do a little more with the mom, especially. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, oh god, they're just like setting her up to be like, oh, it's the bitchy mom that's like really judgmental. And that was it. That was the whole thing. That was was her okay like that's a choice all right (laughs) i don't know it felt weird to me that like the dad kind of got a weird like redemption arc for no reason that like came out of nowhere but then like the mom is still kind of like she's like oh yeah i love you i guess the the dialogue is bad because they didn't set up any characterization ahead of time so like when harper is trying to convince abby at their place to not go to christmas trying to like talk her out of it or whatever she says i know you don't like christmas because your parents died like okay <laughs> thanks for the explanation like she should have just turned to me the audience and told me personally <laughs> the orphan jokes were funny i like i don't know why it was funny but like every time someone would call her an orphan like it was just hilarious to me i think it was like shocking to me in the beginning i was like what the fuck like who refers to a grown adult as like she's an orphan <laughs> It was a little much, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't like the, um, like, I get that they were trying to set up that the family was totally competitive for love and that's how they received love. But the like scary relationship she had with her, I guess, older sister, maybe Sloan. that was like yeah. married with kids. Yeah. Uh, no, that was fucking terrifying. You cannot act like that. Like <laughs> so scary maybe i don't get it because i don't have siblings but no thank you that was such a relatable moment though where like abby's like wow like you have quite an interesting relationship with your sister and she's like what are you talking about it's fine (laughs) that's so relatable like as someone that has challenging relationships with um some family members it's kind of like (laughs) when an outsider sees it and is like uh what the fuck was that and you're like that was regular (laughs) yes me talking to my mother at all times basically yeah um sloan's children were weird i don't they were really creepy and i think that was supposed to be like a comedic thing like they're supposed to be like creepy like stepford wife kids or something but it didn't come off right they were just creepy they framed her for shoplifting Mm -hmm. and they only said sorry in the end once they were forced to yeah so they could get gifts (laughs) yeah and it's like I don't know. I was hoping something else would happen with them too, but no, just they're just there to be creepy. That's it. I also wrote, is it illegal to have a regular song in a Christmas movie? <laughs> Cause they're all Christmas songs. Cause they're all like every transition song, every song that's playing when they're in the car or like at a store or whatever. Like, and I get it. Like, I get it. It's a Christmas movie. People want to hear Christmas music in it. But, like, 
I feel like at some point someone would be listening to something that wasn't Christmas music. Why don't you have them like in the car be listening to Tegan and Sarah? Like, yeah, that'd I don't be know. Okay. Um, if that's more of your Christmas vibe, I think you'd be able to tolerate the Family Stone more because like there's some other. I stuff did see it like not too long after it had come out, but it's obviously been quite some time since then. Um, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's very depressing. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I will like it then. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's funny, and it's it's still Christmas-y, but there are other songs in it, and it has a great cast as well. So, I don't know. Unless you have other things to say about Happiest Season. I don't have other things to say about Happiest Season, but I do think we should rate it. Yes, that's what I was going to say. So, Hannah, if you could rate this movie, how many um, gay yuletides would you give it out of 10? <laughs> I'm going to give it five gay yuletides out of 10. Okay. that's I expected maybe like a little less from you. So that's really good. It has points for Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm, it has mm-hmm. points for being gay. And that's it. <laughs> okay and like nothing nothing atrocious happened like nothing was so bad that it made me want to like rage around or anything so that's why it gets a five (laughs) i'm gonna give it a solid seven yeah like it's not the best thing but i would never rate a christmas movie higher than a seven so wow i'm surprised to hear you say that oh i love christmas but i respect film (laughs) (laughs) There is a difference. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I enjoy Christmas stuff. I, I like Christmas music. Um, I, I would say later than most people like it. Like people that are, start immediately after Thanksgiving. I'm like, no, that's too soon. Yeah, you're a demon. I think the audience needs to know that when Hannah and I get to hang out regularly, so not during COVID times. Um, she doesn't let me play Christmas music right after Thanksgiving. She is a demon. She will rip out my stereo from my car and throw it in the garbage <laughs> if I try to do that. <laughs> I think it's like, I'm that person probably because of how I grew up with like not a lot of emphasis placed on holidays. It's too extra for me. Like the holiday <laughs> is like the three days before and then the holiday itself. Oh, no. Like on midnight Thanksgiving evening, I turn into Mariah Carey. And that's all there is to it. Oh, no. (laughs) I love it. Christmas Girls, 10 out of 10. Thank you. (laughs) So now that we've talked about the happiest season, the very upbeat um, gay Christmas movie, we get to talk about a very depressing homophobic TV show. (laughs) Yeah. We get to talk about the dark side of queer media. (laughs) Yeah. And even calling it queer media is generous um (laughs) like it's more like media that has been um claimed by the queers so yeah which is unfortunately different that's so like um, content warning so uh cw cw is what we're talking about uh the cw um so it's uh it's supernatural we're talking about if you didn't figure that out like we always talk about it and yeah, it is now we're gonna go there <laughs> especially because it is now over it is officially over 
And that doesn't mean you get to stop hearing us talk about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because like more information keeps coming to light every day. So mm -hmm. everyone's joking that right now we're in season 16 of Supernatural mm -hmm. because it's like being on a TV show with like drama unfolding on a daily basis. Yeah. We are currently in season 16 and it is not a fun ride. I would rate it um, like <laughs> day to day is how I would rate it. So some days I'm like 10 of 10, would watch again. Other days I'm like negative one, don't come at me. <laughs> yeah. I I definitely like have my ups and downs. Well, okay, let's get into it. Let's okay. get into it. All okay. right. Okay. So yeah, let's take it from the top, aka episode 18 of season 15. So what a, what a week election week was. <laughs> Can we just say... What an absolute ride. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I was like chilling, watching election coverage on the TV just to give myself seven heart attacks. <laughs> and then my eighth heart attack was caused <laughs> when I went on Twitter and saw that Dustiel was trending. I was like, oh, God, what could this mean? This is mm -hmm. terrifying. Um, so then I had to hurry up and catch up. So that I could watch that episode because I think I was like two episodes behind or something. But yes, Castiel, the gay angel, <laughs> um, says that he loves Dean and then promptly dies. Yes. And if you're familiar with the CW's work at all, you'll know <laughs> that gay people love to have a moment to shine and then they literally die right away. Um, and we're used to it, um, but it's not great. Yeah. And okay, like, this is this is where things start to get difficult, because we never thought we would get this moment of like, Cass, like saying he loves Dean. I, you know, obviously, in the past, I've gone back and forth on it. And I've been like, Oh, maybe they will like, I can see it happening. Like they have to. <laughs> never but in my life would I have foreseen it. At the, t at the time that it happened, I never would have been on board with the idea that that would happen. So yeah, in that sense, I was very happy because it did feel like vindication to be like, okay, like we've been reading the text correctly. Um, all the people that say that we read the text incorrectly, like, sorry, um, looks like we were right. Cope. <laughs> and like... We will be smug about it because y'all were so smug about how we were reading it wrong. So that's right. it's our turn to be smug. <laughs> but, you know, like people were rightfully angry that they immediately killed him off. And, you know, like right after the episode, I was like, oh, like, I bet that really is it for him. And he's my favorite character. And I was very sad. And then over the next couple of weeks, I... Uh, had spent on tumblr <laughs> tumblr got my hopes up because all these brilliant meta writers that do so well with analyzing the show were like no like he has to come back and which on supernatural like everyone dies and comes back it's mm -hmm. not it's not out of the question so i became convinced that he would come back and that they would have to at least have dean acknowledge the confession whether or not he reciprocated it i thought that it would have to be acknowledged in the text because okay. in no media would a woman confess something like that to a man or vice versa 
and then have them never bring it up again. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So it was poor writing is what we're saying. Yeah. And it's still not entirely clear (laughs) whether that was intended that way from the beginning and like the writers just were like, this is how we're going to do it. Or if there was some network meddling in the finale, um, which I honestly believe that there was network meddling in the finale. Like, I do too. Not like a wild conspiracy theory. I just think that, you know, there are some things in the script that make things more explicit. There are some things that actors improv, that directors add in the last minute. And I feel like the network was like, tone this down lift us up like they do that to everything like I why would they not do that to this yeah I feel like stuff was cut from the finale and this is the thing like there was a whole conspiracy theory going on about in 1518 whether there was more to the script if if Dean was supposed to reciprocate in the script and they cut it out which all of that has basically been proven false at this point like we know that that was not in the script for 1518 and that's mm-hmm. fine. That was never where my feelings about the conspiracy were strongest. Mine were definitely strongest about the finale because it was very weird. It was like shorter than a regular episode. There were two montages back to back with like the same song playing, which I thought was fucking weird. Um, but by a different artist. <laughs> yeah. And like it to me, it felt very cobbled together and it felt like there was stuff missing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like, oh, like there was a Dustiel kiss missing. Like, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like there were it felt like there were like three scenes missing and they just used filler to replace it because yes. they didn't want those scenes in there for whatever reason. And that's where to me, the idea of network meddling is like very, very probable. And I will say that we we gave them the benefit of the doubt in the beginning and everyone was like, OK, maybe COVID concerns prevented some scenes from even being filmed and they were like no COVID changed almost nothing from our final script so really what you were saying is that your final episode was a cobbled together uh fan video on YouTube that's what you're telling me because that's what it looked like to me like I've seen fans make better trailers so exactly it it was a letdown to people from every corner of the fandom I'm gonna say like obviously a certain faction of the fandom was happy with it because it erased all character development and made it seem like a toxic codependency between two brothers is like the best thing ever. And that's Mm -hmm. their fucking favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were very happy with that. Um, But I do think that they don't actually make up the majority of fans because obviously like Destiel shippers were mad because Cass like literally never comes back. Like he's mentioned in the end. So you know that he is still I won't say alive, but like around, but the way that he was like completely erased from the narrative, of course, we're upset about that. But I also think that that gen audience is there's definitely people from the gen audience that were also confused and upset and kind of like, why did they end it like that? Yeah. And I guess I (sighs) It's weird because I want to say like, oh, I expected so much more because obviously I really like the show, but I know that the show is trash. Like sometimes the writing doesn't add up because they're one of the few uh, shows where they don't have a writer's room. They just like have different writers come in, do some research on like 
specific storylines and plot lines that are going to go into their episode and then write the episode. And not to like bad mouth any writers. I do have a, I do have a few select few writers that I love on Supernatural. Um, but I will say you can tell that when like sometimes when an episode is done, uh, they didn't, they didn't read anything. They didn't do their research at all. Like it just doesn't add up sis. Like, <laughs> so, and a lot of that was basically like, who wrote these last like three episodes because it didn't add up. Like 18 was a good episode and it ended like confirming something textually that was subtextually there the entire series basically from season four on and then all of a sudden it was like okay well let's wrap up the end of the storyline in 19 and I was like okay I mean that was lackluster but it also kind of felt like a finale and then they were like okay let's have a montage for the last episode like why why were you just filling in spots like that you probably could have slammed that into one whole episode at the end yeah the pacing of the last episode felt totally like absolutely cuckoo bananas like like you've never heard of pacing in your life and you decided to write a absolutely wild episode. Like it felt to me like they let random screenwriting students each write a scene and then they just cobbled them all together. That's what it felt like to me. Yep. I can't explain to you how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad and it was disappointing, especially as a long-term fan. Um, but I think it was just really disappointing like that if you're going to allow one of the writers to have Castiel make his declaration of love, confirming that that is how he felt for however long amount of time, whenever he figured that out, I don't know. They don't explain that. But Castiel is confirmed to be romantically in love with Dean Winchester. So if you're going to have him say that in an episode and you know, like the fandom's going to respond and also it's the end of an episode, you have to address it in the next episode. Like we just talked about rom-coms earlier. They're very formulaic. They go from like, people are in love. They have a problem. They break up. They get back together. That's the formula. So if you're going to have them make that declaration of love, in the end of the movie, they always like chase them to the airport and say, I love you too. Or right then and there, they say like, never thought of you that way. And then they move on and some someone ends up with someone else. But that doesn't happen. So it's never resolved. Especially people that are so anti-Destiel. Like they try to say like, well, this show has never been about romance. Yeah, that's true. But if you literally bring the romance into it, like you have now trapped yourself. You have to finish it. You have to finish that plot line. And they just said, no, we're not going to. We don't feel like it. Not only that, but like there are many instances where the boys end up with people romantically like sexually and romantically like there's a whole like part of a season where dean lives with a woman like we didn't particularly enjoy that but <laughs> he did <laughs> and i think he loved her i think people that say like he didn't love her at all like i'm like no i think he did love her but i think like that wasn't his uh that wasn't his speed like and you know unfortunately when you talk to people about like there is romance on the show they're like yeah, but the point of the show is that they always leave those people for each other, meaning Sam and Dean. They think that the whole point of the show is like, yeah, these brothers should always be together and be hunting monsters and should never have any lives of their own. And I was really hoping that the finale was going to kind of turn that on its head and have them part ways. Like, that's how I thought, like, that would have been the best ending to me is for them to 
get to live their lives separately but also like still as family because being family with someone doesn't mean you have to be with them 24 7 and make toxic sacrifices for each other Mm -hmm. and i think a lot like the entire series was built off of that and so to say like well they're just going to end up right back where they started to me that just like erases you know 14 seasons of character development like what were we looking at them for to understand them and their relationship like how did we watch them grow into these grown adult men who were making better choices who were understanding who they were and like how they could fit like hunting into their life and how they could fit normalcy into their life for you to just turn back around and say like no one of them's gonna die young in a hunting accident like right after they save the world like literally like the next day <laughs> and the other one is just gonna go on and abandon his post after learning that hunting could be a part of his life in a real normal way and you're going to completely erase the woman that he was in love with that brought back from the dead <laughs> and we're never going to talk about her again is she dead is she alive who fucking knows the excuses for sam's blurry wife are just <laughs> absolutely heinous because like they're like oh well it was probably covid like they couldn't get the actress to come back and no. i'm like it doesn't matter there were so many ways that you could have incorporated her into the story to make it clear that it's eileen people are still like oh i bet it was eileen and it's like well they didn't show us that so it makes me think it's not like yeah. if it was supposed to be her they could have photoshopped her into fucking family photos mm-hmm. or they could have had blurry face actress do sign language to sam because eileen <laughs> is deaf and that would have been like oh like he's with eileen mm-hmm. um but no, it's just some blurry brunette. Who can say? <laughs> Not only that, but when they show Sam's life, it's like he's still sort of like pining for that life with Dean. Like he has baby. He cries over Dean in the garage by himself. And he kind of keeps that part of himself hidden from his wife, his blurry wife, and his kid, who we actually do see in a bunch of scenes. And in the end, when he's like on his deathbed in his home, all of the pictures on the family mantle are of him and his father and his mother and Dean. And it's like, where is your blurry wife? Like, where is your blurry wife? Where's Cass, your best friend? Mm -hmm. Where's Bobby? Like, I know they have a family picture together and he doesn't have it. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. It was. For a show that says family don't end in blood so often and has literal merchandise of it. It sure did end in blood. I, really <laughs> I think we also need to take a moment to talk about them killing Dean because Ugh. here's the thing. <laughs> I had the feeling that Dean was going to die in the last episode, mm-hmm. but I thought it was going to be his choice and I thought it was going to be for like a cause. And the fact that they had it be an accident felt like it was purely for shock value. Mm-hmm. It was purely to be like, oh my god, I can't believe he's going down like this. Mm-hmm. And it felt like like they were just trying so hard to be edgy. And it just, I that gets under my skin so much. Because it's definitely like a pattern with TV shows, I would say like 2005 on. Like series finales are trying so hard to not be predictable that they end up being nonsensical 
mm-hmm. because they're trying so hard to be like, oh, that was a twist you didn't see coming. Or like, oh, I bet you didn't expect this to be that pointless in the end. Dexter. Um, <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a bunch of shows like that where they were like, oh, look how edgy we are. We like killed the main character or we we surprised you. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like well, bad writing is not a surprise. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's one thing if it if it follows the narrative to have a main character die but if you do it in such a way that it's like obvious that you're trying to elicit a particular response it's just annoying it's just obnoxious yeah i yeah and like even though i expected dean to die like the way it happened combined with the fact that they erased cast from the narrative it definitely felt like another bury your gaze moment Mm -hmm. and it's a little different because obviously like obviously I believe with my whole heart that Dean is bisexual everyone knows this about me (laughs) but it's never been confirmed textually like subtext absolutely there's plenty of subtext to look at Mm -hmm. um I I think most queer people look at him and see themselves in some way Mm -hmm. and I think like because the showrunners and the writers know that it was extra hurtful the way that they killed him especially because they had the chance to do something else to have him I don't even care if he came out or reciprocated Cass's feelings or whatever like that would have been absolutely wonderful I would have been thrilled with that but I don't even need that I just need him to be able to live as a more authentic version of himself, whatever that looks like. Because, like, in in more recent seasons, like, he was like, yeah, I like Taylor Swift, whatever. Like, he never would have done that in the beginning of the show. And I wanted to see more of that, like, fun person that's not, like, that doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And the message that they conveyed to us with the finale is the only way to get that weight off your shoulders is to die. That's it. Mm-hmm. like there's nothing here for you you go to heaven and you wait around for your brother to get there yeah I just it it wasn't even enjoyable is the thing I will say like I for Game of Thrones like obviously like a bunch of choices led up to that decision and it, I don't I think they were poor writing I think they just squandered character development similar to Supernatural but I will say that the last few episodes were just phenomenal they were enjoyable. Like it was just a wild ride to watch. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but <laughs> wasn't there an expensive battle sequence? Yes, or and like, the, like there's an expensive battle that's a whole episode, and then there's like some character development of an episode, and then there's which like reverses a bunch of character development actually, and then there's the final, and the final episode is just like wild, wild. So and like you know, ends are wrapped. So, but like with this, with Supernatural's end episode, no, it wasn't even enjoyable. Like some boring stuff happened and you're like, oh, this is okay. And then you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this is stupid. It's doesn't make sense. And it's boring. Which is why it blows my mind that there were people that said it was the perfect ending to the show. Yeah. I didn't get it. And maybe if you watch season one through four and stopped, Maybe one, two, three. Like, this is the thing. There was a Tumblr post, and I can't remember the person who made it, but it basically said, like, it's a sign of bad writing when you can watch season one and then watch the finale 
and understand almost everything. Pretty much. Like, you're telling me nothing meaningful happened in all of the seasons in between. And, like, I'm sure someone would offer some platitude, like, it was the friends we made along the way, or whatever the fuck. (laughs) And it's hard for me because, like, I'm, as a writer, I've always liked bittersweet endings or sad endings or fucked up endings. But, like, it has to make sense within the narrative. And to me, a 15-year-old show, there's really no good way to make a fucked up ending for it. Like, it's just not going to be satisfying after 15 years. Mm -hmm. With movies and with short stories, a fucked up ending can work really well. Because Mm -hmm. you haven't spent so much time with the characters that it disappoints you when they don't get a good ending. Yeah, I think I was prepared for Dean to die. I will say that I thought he was going to die. Didn't know how, but I thought he was going to die. And then I had read a spoiler, so I knew that he did die, but I also didn't know how. It was a whole thing, because, you know, we're West Coast, and everyone on the East Coast had already seen it. Like, as much as it would have been a bittersweet ending, it should have been that Dean goes and lives that apple pie life in whatever way that he can. If he ended up with someone else, he ended up with someone else. If he didn't, then he didn't. And he could just go and live like a normal human being. Um, And Sam, I think, would maybe pick up the mantle of being a man of letters. Like he was doing in the beginning, getting to know the bunker, leading hunters. There are still monsters out there. We're shown that there are still monsters out there when he quits. And see, like, that wouldn't be the ending that I would personally write. However, it is an ending that would make sense Mm -hmm. with the narrative. Because it it would be a very nice reversal from season one where Dean is the one that's hunting and Sam's the one that's trying to like go live a normal life. Mm -hmm. And if they reversed that, it would still feel meaningful because over all of those seasons in the character development that we saw, they both realized that they wanted aspects of what the other one originally had. Mm -hmm. And to have a reversal like that would make sense. It wouldn't be like my first choice. It's not my first choice, but it's the thing that I think makes the most sense. Like they could have just went there and it would have been like, that was a lukewarm finale. This was a terrible finale. (laughs) Yeah. They, they really had to burn it down. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Of course, I have my bisexual colored glasses on, but like <laughs> to me, it really does feel like all the people that have pointed out that it feels like the story itself made Dean so queer coded that they couldn't let him live because yeah. he became so gay that he had to die, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and it's like, I know I sound like a lunatic, but that's how it feels, you know? And I think they didn't think of it affecting people that way. I think they were just like, well, if we don't resolve that, then we have to kill him. And it's like, okay, if you have to kill him, then that's fine. Because technically Cass is dead. You can't really resolve it. Like he can't run after him in the airport and say like, hey, what's up? I love you too. Like he is dead. But he could, though. That's the thing. It's supernatural. They do all kinds of wild shit all the time. That was my other point, that literally, like, earlier in the, like, I guess earlier that season or the season before, when he made, when Cass made the deal with the Empty, they were, like, looking for ways to get him back. And, like, earlier in the season, like, I'm not even kidding, like, a couple episodes before, Jack came back from the Empty. Like, it was nothing. We know that Jack is God now. So why didn't they just call upon Jack and say, Cass is fucking dead. Can you help me? 
like I would have that's the other thing is like Jack was also poorly characterized in the last episode I know they tried to make it like oh he absorbed God's power so now he's different Mm -hmm. but I feel like the Jack that we know would have just immediately brought Cass back if he had the power to do so which Mm -hmm. because he absorbed God's power like he should have the power to do that Mm -hmm. like even if he wanted help being quote new God which is kind of like the direction that they took it but like Cass ends up being somehow released from the empty and helps jack create new heaven like why didn't they he bring him back to be like okay look like he didn't really die i got him out of the empty like he could have brought him back into dean and sam's life and said but i need him to do a mission with me right now like i need him to help me be god because i don't understand how any of this works even though i have the quote power and knowledge of god so say goodbye to Cass. he has to go and then Cass could either choose to stay as a human which is a plot line that exists in fan fiction, or he can choose to leave as an angel and assist his son, Jack. And that either way, I would have been happy with either of those choices because they both make sense. Yeah. We literally just wrote like three different endings for Supernatural just talking in the last 20 minutes. What did they do? (laughs) Yeah, like I think anyone that hasn't even seen the show, if they were given like bullet points of each season... Like, any person off the street could come up with a better ending that would make more sense than how Mm -hmm. they did it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that gets me about the Jack storyline is, like, they did it anyway, just off screen. Yeah. Like, they implied very heavily that Jack rescued Cass and that now Mm -hmm. they're building heaven together or whatever. If you were going to do that, if that was part of the story why not show something like Mm -hmm. it infuriates me that misha collins who carried this fucking show he Uh carried the show like they didn't even have him in the finale what they have a whole line of supernatural merchandise so not just like generic they have all generic supernatural merchandise but they have like a dean line a sam line and they have a cast line i actually own something from the cast line and he is like so engaged with the fandom like he keeps this show fucking alive and they have the audacity to not even include a photo of him in the (laughs) finale that's fucking insane like how dare you make money off this poor man like people that are trying to defend the cw which i don't know why people always bend over backwards trying to defend the cw um they're like oh well covid probably prevented him but like he we know he was quarantining he was in vancouver and like sarah just said okay if it's really a covid problem it's called photoshop put a picture of him on the mantle some something please. they must have blown their taquito budget <laughs> <laughs> like really i can't that's a weird inside joke that i don't know if we can even explain but i was just i have i have poor hearing and Hannah had said something about like a CGI budget or something. And I thought she said taquito, but like not with an accent either, just taquito, not taquito, but taquito. They blew their taquito budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, even, okay. Cause I know we keep coming up with ways that they could have gotten around COVID stuff. Like, okay. If you don't want to Photoshop him into family photos, have him do a voiceover of him saying hello, Dean at the end, because it should have been him that met up with Dean. He was already in fucking heaven. You can't just stand around waiting for like 84 years for Sam to show up. 
But <laughs> like, they they covered that, Sarah, because they said time is different here. Oh God, I can't. I'm like, what a way to make it acceptable for him to just drive the car around for, like, three full minutes. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm talking about, is, like, the episode was short, and yet it was filled with stuff like that. Y'all are hiding something that you cut, and I don't know what it is, and maybe one day we will find out. Maybe it was just really poorly written and filmed scenes, and they were like, we can't put this in. Like, even this was better. So maybe we don't want to know what it is, because it's probably really, really bad. (laughs) I mean anything's possible the way that some episodes are written like bad fan fiction that's the and that's the thing that we've talked about many times with them is like because they don't have a writer's room it comes across the same way as when someone who doesn't fully get the characters writes fanfic and Mm -hmm. like they have the same names but they're like acting like completely different different characters Mm mm-hmm they have different personality traits. They would never behave that way. They would never say something that way. It's like, did you do your research at all? Did you even look at one other episode? The answer is no. <laughs> and we haven't even, you know, covered the uh, the Destiel going canon in Latin America. <laughs> well, I don't know if you have been on Tumblr in the past day, but there was more information about that. I was on yesterday. I have heard that it was a Latin American director's choice to change the dialogue that way, but it wasn't that far from what they had heard on the audio is the confirmation. And that the guy who plays Dean's voice actor is like a hardcore, like gay Dean Stan. He's like, no, he's fucking gay. You know <laughs> so- what? He's right. He's correct. <laughs> Guillermo, you're right. And you should say it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad that that's what happened because like we all went through a bunch of grief for nothing basically over that particular aspect but like it is heartening in a way to know that other people that are working on the show like even in Latin America or whatever like they read the text the same way we do so Mm -hmm. this man was really like well obviously he's in love with cast too like duh yeah like Like he's been directing the voice audio forever. So he's like, yeah, it would only make sense if he said this. Like, thank you, sir, Latin American director. (laughs) Yeah, we stand. And that's so funny because people consider like everywhere in Latin America, like more conservative because they're very Catholic. And it's like, no, they said gay rights. Like, (laughs) fuck right off. (laughs) But the CW, I think made a a mistake for themselves because mm-hmm. the amount of money they could have made even if they had done like an ambiguous ending even if Dustiel had not been reciprocated or like we didn't know anything about that like if they hadn't have like made such a shit last episode and like written Cass out of it and killed Dean in a really weird way like if they had made a better ending they could have made so much fucking money off of us. Oh, yeah. I would be out there w- buying the box set right now. <laughs> but yeah, we I would have bought a shit ton of merchandise. Like everyone's Christmas would have been supernatural filled. They could have made a movie. They could have made a documentary. That would have been a good one because people love the cast. And they could have kept the cons going. But I think now it's going to just wane really quickly. Yeah. So say goodbye to that. <laughs> 
say goodbye to your money. Yeah. And obviously there's been a campaign, um, as there usually is when the CW screws up, to which is all the time, <laughs> to like unfollow all their pages on social media and everything, which I have done because I'm not particularly attached to anything there anymore. Like I did watch the 100. That's over now. Um, you know, I recently watched The Vampire Diaries and finished it. Um, but other than that, like there's nothing there for me anymore. And no matter what kind of weird show they try to make and try to be like, oh, look, there's a gay character. I'm going to be like, uh, no, thanks. I've had enough of you. <laughs> I will. I do love um, Riverdale. Um, and I know you don't, but I enjoy it because it's like cuckoo bananas. Like it's fucking wild. The writing's wild. Things that would never happen happen. Um, it's a different vibe. I will say that they do gay men really poorly in that show. It's always like there's a homophobic abusive father or someone gets killed in whatever relationship it is or someone is having um, secret hookup wood sex and they're like, that's so unsafe. You shouldn't behave like that. And it's like kind of like written off like whatever. But then like when two women get together, so like the big gay ship in the character in the show right now is Shoni, which is Cheryl and Tony. Um, they have a bunch of problems, like because they're both insane. But they're very hypersexualized. Like there's whole scenes where they're like dancing around in lingerie, like singing to each other and having sex. And you're just like, is that the only representation of gay people that you want here? Like just crazy women who are having raunchy sex. Like that's it. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, that has gay representation. And I'm like, that's not the gay representation I'm looking for, number one. <laughs> and number two, it's it's not that serious. So I'll just wait and, like, watch it somewhere else when it's already all the way out. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the whole thing, right? It's like the idea of representation is very nebulous. Like, we have a whole podcast about it, basically. Like, we have a whole podcast where we say was this good representation did i enjoy this representation mm -hmm. and nobody's answer is always going to be the same but i think we can agree that a lot of our representation is very flat and there's more to queer people than like having sex in the woods or dancing around in lingerie like i think there's more <laughs> nuance to be had mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i struggle because part of me is so happy that we got like a queer angel like that is so fucking cool mm -hmm. i love it i'm here for it why did you have to then immediately hide him in the basement or the closet <laughs> whatever the super gay terrible hell closet <laughs> yeah just <sighs> these networks think that they can just like have someone say that they're gay or that they love someone of the same gender and that like we'll be totally satisfied with that and that we should worship the ground that they walk on and be so grateful for the crumbs that they have given us. <laughs> but I'm not here to do that. I It's 2020 and I think writing a gay character and if you have to do that, if you have to hire a gay writer to do so, why don't you hire a gay writer to do so? Because... The episode where Cass came out was written by a gay man. So, And I will say as much as they give him like, okay, well, that's when the MD is going to take him. Like that was part of the storyline. So like he had to write that. Barons is who we're talking about, by the way. 
Um, Barons is an excellent writer. I love all of his characterization. Like he is very good with dialogue conveying emotion without having to like say something outright. He's not very obvious. His dialogue is definitely some of the best on the show. He's great at writing casts. Like, and I, I think in many ways, like he may be fought for that for us. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I think in many ways he was like, okay, so he basically has to say it, say it like this and say this. So, I mean, he did us justice there and it's not his fault, obviously. I hold no grudge against episode 18. That's the thing. It's yeah. like people misunderstand. It's not the barrier gaze initially that bothers me. It's the fact that in a way the gays stay buried like you brought him back off screen but like you can't have him on screen because something gay would happen like that's the only explanation like i don't know what to tell you and like if their whole thing is like oh well dean couldn't reciprocate like i know the script like literally textually says that like he he doesn't he he can't reciprocate because he can't speak is the whole thing then you can go ahead and have dean not reciprocate that back like that that's part of Dean's characterization as a person like he's gonna be like oh sorry man like I I don't love you like that like that's fine <laughs> like then have him say that but they were like no we don't want to spend any time on that it just it never wraps it up like at least wrap it up if it's a way I don't like then at least it's wrapped up you can't be a bad writer and then also not entertain me that's rude <laughs> or at least have it be ambiguous like I've said like if they reunited on screen it could just be like a hug and like you could take that any way like you could take that like oh like I love you too I'm just not gonna say it you could take it like you're my friend and I'm glad to see you like you could take it any way that you want but like they couldn't even do that because I guess that would give us too much and then they don't want us to have anything I don't know <laughs> but they always gave us every time they reunited in the show which was like four other times after death between the two of them that they like have this big moment where they hug and like even I think it was the last time Cass came back from the dead I guess maybe no because he came back from the empty so the time before that I would say when Mary comes into the they, everyone dies so often here sorry yeah like <laughs> let this be a lesson to you about like how easy it is for people to come back on the exactly. show like, don't be like oh well if he's dead then he has to be nope no no, no one's ever dead in the show <laughs> well he does okay so i don't remember what happened to him at some point in time but he was gone and then he comes back and he's at the bunker and mary is there and she is brought back to life and she's been gone the entire show because the whole show is about them dealing with their mother seth and amara has brought her back to life and when she sees her grown son hug this man that she is pointing a gun at because she doesn't know him and she thinks he's breaking and entering into the bunker she gives them a look that's like, hmm, like a mother knows. She's like, hmm, is this your secret boyfriend, Dean? There's no other way to interpret that expression. Exactly. Like the little like head tilt. And then he's like, oh, this is Cass. And he just like, this is Cass. Like he doesn't introduce him as like his boyfriend, his brother, his best friend, their angel friend. He's just like, this is Cass. He's an angel. Get used to it. He's going to be around. <laughs> Even that was enough to be like, to me, that, that's textual to be like, okay, this is this is his love. He loves him. Whether or not that's romantic is up for debate. But if you had given us something like that in the last episode or the second to last episode, that still would have been enough. Yeah, we're not asking for a lot here. We're asking for what you've already done is the yes, problem. Yes, that's the thing. That's exactly it. Because 
people try to say like oh you just want xyz to happen on the show because you want it it's like no because you've set it up this way yeah and then you gaslight us by saying like oh it was never intended like that it's like well then why the fuck are there 12 seasons of it or however long (laughs) because they wanted ratings is what that comes down to and you know what they got my ratings I'm not that sorry. They're not like the CW is not this like huge fucking network. That's like all of their shows have like Schmedium Nielsen ratings. Like it's not that serious that I'm giving them my ratings. Yeah. (laughs) And now the Supernatural's gone and the 100, which also had a huge fandom. Like all that's left are their um, flailing DC shows. Most people don't like them. If they do watch them, they don't watch all of them, even though they try to make them watch all of them with a crossover. Nancy Drew died, and I really liked that. Um, the spinoff of Riverdale died, and I heard it was also good. So right now, their big contender is Riverdale. That's their big deal. And I'm sure that's not going to go on for that much longer anyway. I think they're on, like, season seven. Yeah, and those actors are going to want to go on to bigger and better things. Yes, they are getting very, very famous. They have deals with every company imaginable. So, Yeah, about the DC shows, like, I obviously don't watch them because I don't really care about DC, but everyone who watches them is kind of lukewarm about them Mm -hmm. like even our friend tyler who loves comics and like watches most of those shows like he's like yeah it's pretty bad (laughs) and it's hard because like when you say you like supernatural and someone's like isn't that a cw show like it does conjure up this very particular um cw flavor that you're like i know it's bad i know this but like (laughs) there's there's so much in it that is meaningful to me personally and I just like they can't take that away from me like they tried really hard to take it away from me because (laughs) like it made me like I I lost it after the finale I was a wreck but I think I'm calming down a little bit now and I'm like no I still love the show um but not for what it not for what they wanted it to be but for what I saw in it yeah and I think that's you know, that's how media works. That's how art works. You know, you're always going to get a different interpretation from someone else. And they can't take that interpretation away from you. Like as much as they want you to think a certain way or want you to do something a certain way, which again, is also poor writing, you can't create something and then tell people this is how you should view it, which is I think what the finale did. But I digress on that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also was very upset about the ending and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I even went back to Tumblr. I hadn't been on there in like a year or two years. So that was a wild ride. But now I think I've just kind of like moved past it and I am enjoying my memories of Supernatural. I started to rewatch. I had to quit it for a little bit. I'm going to continue it again. Um, and I am going to get my Dusty L tattoo. I think I decided because that's that's for me and they can't take that from me. <laughs> yes, y'all, I'm getting a Dusty L tattoo. Don't judge me. <laughs> I might get one too. I don't know. I haven't decided. We'll see. We could get it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in two years when we can go get tattoos again. Ugh, I know. So if we had to rate Supernatural um from one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, and you were rating it like um, I don't know, like ten glad awards. <laughs> Wait, the whole series? Mm, yes the whole series like how many glad awards would you get if we're giving it glad awards i'm gonna give it one glad award (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna give it that one glad award for charlie 
I give it half a glad word for Charlie and half a glad word for Cass. You're right. Oh, what about, um, what's his name? The works at the Roadhouse? With Ellen and Joe? He's gay. Oh, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. And then also, like, real life gay, the guy who plays Garth. And then that hunter couple? I did love them on the Chitters. Um, oh, and the gay witch, Max. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, each of those gets, like, a tenth of a glad war. <laughs> because they're only in like one episode and they like barely even scrape the surface on them and like just like i'm taking away glad awards for like the attitude of the show like because <laughs> like they give you attitude when they give you that kind of stuff they're That's like true. oh look we gave you a gay thing aren't you happy now negative five i'm, just... <laughs> I'm like no okay. you're only making us more angry when are you going to learn you are you're feeding our rage so if we're talking about the relationship between the brothers, how many Samulets are you giving it? Five. I'm giving it a four because <laughs> if they hadn't ended it the way they did, I would have gave it like a 10 because I love the relationship between the brothers. Obviously, Dark Side of the Moon is my favorite episode. So I love when they're kind of mad at each other, you know, like when they're figuring their shit out. Um, but they didn't figure their shit out and all their characterization got ripped away. So subtracting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then if we had to read it, <laughs> I gotta think of one more that's a little more generic. Let's just say, like, one out of ten, enjoyable. Like, how enjoyable was the entire series for you? But what is enjoyable? Because, like, I kept watching it, even though it felt like being run over with a truck over and over again. Like, I just kept watching it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say, like, when... When I was binging it, when it was all on Netflix, mm -hmm. it was very enjoyable to me. Mm -hmm. Like, then I would probably give it, like, 8 out of 10. Okay. But then when I started watching it live, which was about the time that the show really started to de decline for me, it became less enjoyable. It became more a source of stress and anger for me. Okay. And I recognize that I continued willingly watching it, and that is my choice and my issue. Um <laughs> Like, I think in the end, it ended up being, like, five out of ten. Like, because it just became so draining. Okay. I think if I disregard the ending, and then I'm thinking of all the episodes that I really love, and how they kind of outweighed the bad for me, I would give it, like, a 6.5. So. Okay. Yeah. That, like, but even though I'm answering you, like, none of this is, like... Like, none of this can encapsulate how I actually feel about the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. so... Yes. Like, all you have to do is look at my blog and be like, oh, like, she really likes the show. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I like I like the idea. The execution is often not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I guess, you know, I love the fandom. Like, yeah, just... And we still have fanfic. We still have fanfic. That's going to get me through, like... The rest of my life. Because <laughs> I, I can read all of the different ways that these brilliant, smart people have come up with to end the series. And no matter how much the writers have tried to belittle us, which I still stand firmly, like, every time they've, like, done something meta and, like, brought fans of the show into the show, and they, like, say it's, like, 
a nod to us, it's always felt very condescending to me. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, oh, you silly little girls. Okay. <laughs> Which is why I you. think they did what they did in the end. I think they think all of us are kind of like the people that like are Winces shippers and people that like think it's only about the brothers or whatever. Um, they think we're all like that because they're pretty vocal and pretty aggressive online even though there's only a small faction of them. So I think they just kind of think that. And also the people that pay like the big bucks at cons to sit close like that are those like particular people that behave that way. Yeah. It's just like the number of people that I follow online that are like professors of literature and stuff like that, that were following the narrative of the show and like found Dustiel in it and found Bydeen in it and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, it's not explicitly in the text, but it is in the text. Like, like these are smart people. These are smart people who know what they're doing when they're looking at media. Mm-hmm. And I think people try to pass it off like, oh, you're just seeing what you want to see. But that's not the case, I think. I think for most of us anyway, it's like, no, we just know what a story is and how to follow it exactly. and where it, it where it leads. Exactly. All right. Well, enough about Supernatural for now. For now. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure we'll continue to learn more wild things about the finale or what was intended or what wasn't intended. We'll, we'll keep you updated. Um, even if you don't want to be updated, we'll still <laughs> force you to be updated. But... We want to say happy holidays to everyone. Um, I hope you're staying safe, staying away from people that are not in your household, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Happy COVID holidays, everyone. Uh, get tested if you can. If you are, um, I don't know, I, I think it's everywhere in America that you can go to covidtestingforfree.com and it'll send you to the nearest place that does COVID testing for free. And they ask like minimal questions. It's a do it yourself for, but honestly, it's better safe than sorry. So wear your masks, stay six feet apart, y'all. Yeah. Wash your hands. Um, educate people as kindly as you can about the vaccines that we will hopefully be getting um, probably mid-year next year depending on how it goes hoping um, for that yeah yeah hoping for sooner but probably not whatever it takes <laughs> that got a little sad, sad. Uh, try to try to enjoy the holidays as much as you can and hopefully we will be um recording another episode after the holidays um there's like a couple things that we wanted to watch so it'll be a beautiful 2021 we'll still be following covid rules but we'll have a better um take on like this whole stay at home thing I think I mean we can only hope we'll see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) because this is uh, the United States of America after all Um, take that however you will (laughs) are we going back to communist corner (laughs) Um, I think that's like that's as far as we need to go into communist corner (laughs) for now like I think they get it I I think they get it I hope y'all get it if you know us and you know what we mean yeah but anyway Happy holidays, and remember, the queers are watching. Goodbye!